How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Oh, hi, Mark. Are too tight. Go to the Alpamani Ford hotline. Alpamani Ford, 500 new and used vehicles to choose from. We choose to talk to Mark Grody as often as possible, and now is that often. Welcome back to this side of the pond, counselor. It's good to be back in the States. I enjoyed my time in Great Britain and my observation about London and Great Britain and Europe. Well, specifically London. It's a lot like Chicago, USA, just that everything is just a little bit different. But it was great. Okay, Governor, you need to explain what's what could be well, like Chicago I mean, but different. They they speak a little bit differently. They have a different accent, uh, but they're kind of the same type of people. They're big city people. Um, they have cars just like we do, but they drive on the left side of the street. <laughs> Um, they take royalty a little bit more seriously than we do in the United States of America. They're into that. Okay. Did you say, say hi to Megan for all the people in, uh, in Evanston? I did. I was trying to say hi to Megan. She's one of ours. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, is she one of yours? I, I enjoyed following you on the socials, Mark, because your mama made the trip. And you guys, you guys traveled around and took pictures at the bridge in London and, uh, you know, all some of the other stuff. It looked like you guys had a really nice time. He wasn't going to get to go cool. unless Gene Grody went with him. And it's beautiful. Yeah. And not only did she go, but they saw some sights and had, uh, had some bonding time. Yeah, we did. Yeah, Gene and Gary made the trip, and it was pretty cool because it's like a pretty rare moment in life at this point where we could all get together and spend multiple days together. And they, uh, they, they'd been there before, so they were kind of guiding me around, but it was wonderful. We went to uh, Westminster Abbey. Apparently, that's, they don't have the dog show there. I learned that. I <laughs> thought that that's... <laughs> Where that existed, but um, learned quickly that that's not the case. No. Um, went to the Churchill Museum and all sorts of fun London stuff. So yeah, it was it was a great trip. You know, when you're over there, you realize that our country's really young. Like we're, we think we're so important, <laughs> and we are very important. Especially in a city like this with some oh yeah stately buildings. Oh yeah, oh my God, the water towers from almost a hundred plus. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. so old. 1871. And then you're you there. Like, like I was in Ireland, and I was uh, at, at a pub that had, there had been a pub on that site since 950. <laughs> not, not that day in the morning. Not that morning. The yeah. year 950. Right, yeah. like everything here, EST established 1874. There, right. It, right. It, everything is uh, EST 8, you know? Yeah. <laughs> All right. So when last we saw the team you cover, they were getting destroyed. They were getting manhandled. They were getting... They were they were getting their manhood handled handed to them and told that they would like it for the next two weeks. So what happened 
And how did the Bears change that narrative tomorrow by the lake? Well, you know, play, like I was talking to Prince of Mukamara yesterday, and he used the word, actually used the words, you know, we, we were punched in the face. And they didn't really recover in that game. Like, they were beaten in every aspect of the game. It was 100% legitimate. They, the defense didn't look good for a week, which is, you know, inevitable. I mean, we, we have them at, at expectation levels at a 10 every week, but eventually, you know, the defense is not going to be great, and they certainly were not. You get a little bit concerned, too, when you see a rookie running back. And, you know, Josh Jacobs, very good runner for the Oakland Raiders, the kid out of Alabama. But, you know, you just always assume that the Bears defense is going to stop the run, um, which they they just didn't do anything successfully last week. That was a little bit concerning, and obviously – you know, Akeem Hicks, having left the game, they had done okay without him in the past. But in this case, not so good. They did great against uh, Minnesota with Nick Williams and the rest of the crew playing well. But you kind of saw the glaring hole this week or that week. So you hope that they, they make up for it. I mean, obviously, they're not going to deal with Alvin Kamara. But, you know, Latavius Murray is a guy that they've dealt with in the past in the Minnesota days and he did have a hundred yard game against them once so uh, kind of hard to believe that I'm actually talking about having to stop the run but that that concerns me from a defensive perspective for the Bears um, and then you know this week's going to be I mean Trubisky's going to play I mean it, it, he's questionable but he's practiced full force every day this week so at this point it'd be shocking if Trubisky was not to be the starting quarterback and you hope that his offensive line that Harry Heastand and Matt Nagy and the rest of that offense has figured something out in terms of scheming better for the offensive line and getting David Montgomery loose, allowing Mitchell Trubisky to do some things with the passing game because you know it, you know that the Saints are going to be bringing it hardcore against Trubisky just because he struggled and because he might still be a little bit banged up and the Saints are sixth in the NFL in sacking the quarterback. What do you make of Matt Nagy's um, conversation regarding Mitch Trubisky publicly in terms of the mentality? He, he wondered about his mental state last year in his first game back off the injury. He also made reference to, uh, to Mitch, um, you know, wondering where Mitch is mentally uh, for this game, he knows you know where Chase Daniel is mentally. He said, uh, but you worry about about Mitch. It, 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 some people are are feeling that uh, that Matt is talking about Mitch with a level of uh, of sensitivity, if not fragility. Yeah, I think that some of that has to do with the fact that he he does he is injured. He comes into this game and. I don't see how Trubisky won't be thinking about the shoulder. I mean, I can't imagine. I'm sure he's definitely good enough to play, but to think that it's it won't be on his mind or that it's 100%, I think would be wrong. So I think that it could affect what his thought process, the risks he would or would not normally take, and they probably are telling him to be careful in terms of the risks he may or may not take when it comes to the running game just to protect that that left shoulder. And is he going to be thinking about it? Because it does you, you do use your entire body, no matter what hand you are throwing from, when you are throwing a football. So I think that that's part of it. And then the other part, too, just in general, the mental aspect that you're asking about, Matt, you know, Nagy has always been, from from day one, his philosophy has been with Mitchell Trubisky, and I presumably with any quarterback, that he's going to throw a lot at you. He's going to throw tons of plays at you. 
He's going to expect a ton from you, but then eventually Nagy will take you in the background and say, all right, what what are you capable of doing? What are you not? What are you comfortable, I suppose, would be the better word. Are you comfortable with this play? No? Okay, we're going to rip that play out. So I think that that's what it is, um, you know, a product of do, do we need to simplify things? And, you know, Nagy has been on record as saying that they have done that, that they have simplified things for Mitchell Trubisky, and that may be what the guy needs in order to thrive and become the quarterback that they think he is, one worthy of being moved up to be picked up at number two overall. Talking with Mark Grody. He covers the Bears for the score during the week. You're listening to the score. It's Saturday Suckage. And he covers the Bears sidelines for WBBM 780 AM 105.9 FM. And you sound great in FM, Mark. You sound wonderful. Don't I? Yeah. So, speaking of Mitch Trubisky, we came out of the... We saw that first week when Matt Nagy refused to run against a bad Packers run defense. And the Packers came out of that game saying, we just wanted Mitch to play quarterback. And they made him play quarterback. And they made him stay in the pocket. So if the Packers want you to do that, you probably shouldn't do that. You should probably get Mitch on the run, bootleg. You should probably have him throw where half the field's cut down. He's more accurate on the run. And yet I haven't seen a lot of evidence of that. Why wouldn't they do that? Why would you continue to do what the Packers want you to do with that quarterback? Yeah, I think it's a good question. I think that you will see eventually. Like, I, like again, this week, I don't know, just because of the, <laughs> the brakes, no, I mean, the harness. It's, yeah, I mean, like, what we're going to find out. We're all going to find out what he is capable of, what they are allowing him to do, what he is comfortable with after he takes a hit. How is he going to be? But in general, yeah, for better or for worse, he, he is one of those quarterbacks who, for whatever reason, works better with just a little bit of chaos, with a little bit of the ability to improvise in the way that he wants to improvise. And I think that's okay. You know, like people talk about it needing to be less complicated for him. And, you know, is he does he have the mental capabilities to, to play this position? We know he is totally and completely capable of doing really good things as a quarter because we've seen flashes of it and you just it's it's really it's up to Matt Nagy to find the most comfortable way to bring the best out and what is at the at the raw material of Mitchell Trubisky a really talented quarterback so a lot of this is on Matt Nagy and Mark Helfridge and Dave Ragone the quarterbacks coach to take this raw material and figure out a way to make it work and maybe maybe it's not maybe it's not the the Matt Nagy offense maybe he has to not just tear pages out of it but Mm -hmm. maybe tear chapters out of it and you know do something different. And that's hard. I mean, I get it. Like, I, I can't imagine, like, Matt Nagy going in with this plan and this great offense and, you know, so, some of which we had so much fun watching last week and then have to say, you know what, we might just have to do something totally and completely different. But that's really – that's on the coaching staff more than anybody. That's coaching. That's uh, yeah. it's coaching right there. If you can't get the guy to work in, in your system, suck it up and figure out something that works for him. Uh, Mark, in a post-Kyle Long universe – Please explain the left side of the offensive line in terms of personnel and how it may function differently than it has. 
or other well, yeah, the right side. Excuse me, next to Bobby Mass. Yeah, yeah, he was your uh, Kyle Long number seventy five. Thank your you. Right guard. Appreciate that. Yeah, you got it. You got it, buddy. I'm here for you. Call me. Call me anytime, man. You got my number. Buddy. Oh, I'll be Who's calling you, you after this segment. Have your people call my people. <laughs> what have I told you about embarrassing me on the air? That's right. Um, <laughs> We've talked about this before. Yeah. We talked about this. How dare you, sir? Um, but anyway, so the right set, the right side of the offensive line. My guess is that you will see uh, Rashad Coward starting there tomorrow. Um, it, with an outside possibility of Ted Larson, but he did not practice in full this week. Ted Larson, he was questionable on the injury list. Rashad Coward, obviously a full go. So I, I think it's going to be Rashad Coward with Ted Larson standing by. And who knows, you might see some some combinations or some flip-flopping of personnel on that right side, depending on how things work out. So, um, you know, you, you, so you've got those two guys. And then you have the, the rookie undrafted uh, free agent, out of Notre Dame, Alex Bars, who has been activated, but he is certainly there just as a as a depth spot. You hope you don't get into a situation where you have to plug him in yet. I think that there's a strong future for Alex Bars on the Bears' offensive line. They obviously like him. I was actually surprised that he didn't make the 53-man roster out of Bourbon A, but he was put on the practice squad. But they like him. He's a valuable piece, but you're going to have to wait a while. So, you know, it's going to be – it's really important now that the communication continues with James Daniels at center, with the veteran guys at the tackle positions, Charles Leno Jr. on the left side, and then, of course, the, the veteran Bobby Massey on the right side. But, yeah, I, I just – I hope that – for the Bears' sake, that this this time off, the bye week, that I think a lot of their self-reflecting, a ton of it, was probably on the offensive line and making it right. Does Harry Heastan have anything to say about Charles Leno Jr. and those holding calls? That is it a combination of referees emphasizing, officials emphasizing holding and doing it against a guy who's you know easy to do it against, or is it? Yeah. It, it, did he say anything about that? You know, Harry, yeah, Harry got into it a little bit, but moreover, I talked to to Charles Leno Jr. about it, and yeah, he was being careful not to go full referee rip because we know what that can do to a player's pocketbook. But you know, he, Leno, you know, in, in the the nicest, most diplomatic way, was just kind of shaking his head. You know, like he, he he takes credit for his poor play at times and some of the penalties, but. A lot of it has been ticky-tack. And, yeah, I think Harry Heastan feels the same way. The, the whole the overriding you know, opinion, though, from the Bears is you got to deal with it. you got you got to play through it. And it's the same for, unfortunately, for everybody in the NFL. It is completely disproportionate, at least in the Bears' case, to the penalties that were called on them last year. So things that they got away with last year, they're not getting away with this year. So I would think that it's tough to play under those circumstances where the way you play one year, you're not allowed to play the next year. But, they, yeah, it's another thing that you have to figure out and how to deal with and to play with or you're not going to be good. Hey, uh, guys, I want to know what was your favorite recent Bears loss after the bye. Um, was it <laughs> – was it was it last year when they blew it against the Dolphins and lost thirty one twenty eight? I think that I think that was it. Oh, that hold was, on, that was Cody oh. Parkey premonition. Oh, hold on, was it twenty seventeen when Brett Hundley and the Green Bay Packers took care Ooh, of them twenty three to sixteen? That's a good one. You sure? Was it twenty fourteen when they got their butts handed to them on a Sunday night by the uh, New England Patriots and then had a bye? 
and came back and lost to the Packers 55-14. to 14. That was the 50-burger oh. sandwich, wasn't it? Yeah, that yeah was, that's uh, a yeah. good one, Speaks. Yeah. You got any more? Uh, oh, sure. <laughs> uh, 2016, when the Bucks got him 36-10. to 10, But a lot of those John Fox years run together for me. I got to go back to Tressman and the back-to-back 50-burgers with the uh, buy in between. That's it. That's oh, it. Yeah. Nicely done. Yeah. yeah, that's a really hard show. Web pole. <laughs> What's your favorite hey, Bears loss after a bye? What's up with this? What's up with that? Spiegel, Spiegel that's the most negative research I have ever heard here on Six I don't know how people score. do that in sports or sports talk. That is so negative, man. I just don't like people like that. Hey, man, I'm, I'm sorry. I just, you know, it's, it's, it's what happens. This is what happens when you stick me with Rosenblum. <laughs> You know? right. <laughs> this is what happens to me. Remember the remember the bright sunny Spiegel. He's he's yeah. being he's being beaten down to a pulp on I'm, Saturday. I'm Stevie Sunshine. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, that is. You know, I can't take responsible for anything that happened before. Uh, t- you know, uh, twenty eight or twenty eight. Yeah. Last well, year, right. uh, yeah. but last year was miserable. I will tell you that, like that Miami game, yeah. that was awful because it was the game where I remember the week leading up to it, everybody was downplaying the Heat. Everybody's like, "Oh, come on, they're football players. I don't want to hear about the Heat." Those players were miserable out there. It was ninety-five degrees and pure humidity. I mean, I sweated through a couple of shirts on that day. Those guys were exhausted. It was a miserable day in Miami. And, yeah, it was as, as Steve pointed out, that was the start um, of the, the Cody Parkey badness. Okay. Well, we'll look forward to see what, what this, tomorrow's premonition for badness is. When Didn't Andy Reid have some phenomenal record coming out of a bye? The best. Yeah. So Matt Nagy is winless coming out of buys. Well, he's, it's only one. He's well, got a chance to to snap that here. Okay. All right. Coaches you matter. Know, I I do have to ask because I, I tweeted out the the Jay Hilgenberg line that he had with you guys on the show earlier. Yes. It was just great that, that everybody was happy when the Bears were three and one. Everybody's miserable now that they're three and two. What happens if the Bears are three and three? What will be the describing word then? Or should I just ask Jay Hilgenberg when I see him tomorrow? I think apocalyptic would be the word. That's mm. the one I would apocalyptic. use. Yeah. Apocalyptic. Because we would go right from good to miserable. I mean, it's it's going. Yes. You know, like. Spiegel negative. I mean, way down, you know? I mean, we're trying to get off that negativity. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. I, I, as no. always, I'll look to Rosenblum for uh, Stevie for, Sunshine for, for, here for all your needs. Thanks, Mark. We appreciate it. See you guys. Mark Grody covers the Bears for the score during the week and covers the Bears sidelines for WBBM during game days. That will be tomorrow. Uh, kickoff is at noon. And the lakefront. Um, so we will have, uh, we'll be doing transition with uh, Julie DeCaro and Maggie Hendricks in about mm-hmm. 20 minutes. And we have some other stuff. We have notes and stuff that we've saved up all week that we need to bring to the table before our time here is done. Yes. Uh, beware the one week layoff, Washington Nationals. Beware. We talked about that. Have you, have you, okay. Yeah. We'll, we'll talk about what it, what it means to the team that we found ourselves rooting for all of a sudden. Okay. He's Spiegel. I'm Rosen. I'm Stevie Sunshine. I'm trying to keep cynical Spiegel from falling into the morass that is just bad, negative mind. And... Less, less ass would be better. <laughs> less ass. Does he play in your band? <laughs> Does overnights, Chicago I think. Sports Radio 670, the score.
This hour of the score is brought to you by Suits 2020. And the bottom of the hour was brought to you by the Chicago Wolves. It's 7 o'clock tonight. The Chicago Wolves host the Rockford Ice Hogs for an Illinois Lottery Cup showdown at Allstate Arena. Get your tickets at chicagowolves.com. We are winners. We are the Wolves. And we are wrong. <clears throat> I was wrong. Thank I, you, 773-815-847. And boy, if the 815 knows you're wrong, and the people where, with, with the, um, where most of the Awakened Bay Club lives, kickoff is 325 tomorrow, not I, noon, as I said at the end of the last segment. It's my fault. I should listen to my partner. No, I, I didn't shouldn't. hear you say it. No, no. I said 325, owning it, wearing it. So there you go. And there you are tweeting out. Your Bears choice. And remember, death is not an option. What's your favorite recent Bears loss after a bye, folks? Last year's collapse in Miami, 31-28-2017, when Brett Hundley led the Packers to a 23-16 win. I'll take it to 2014 when Tressman's bunch bracketed the bye with 51 points allowed to the Patriots and 55 to the Packers. And I appreciate the tweeter who said... I should probably wait to comment until after the Saints game. Yeah. There you go. That's what we're doing here. So, Illinois is playing Wisconsin and remarkably close. The number six team, team ranked six. I don't know if they're the sixth best team. Yeah. But it's 2014 in Memorial Stadium, which is unbelievable. I thought that 20 points would be like the first quarter for Wisconsin. But there they are. Last week, after their game, Wisconsin football sent out a tweet, and I flagged this because I wanted to share this with the class. And here's what the tweet said. Wisconsin 61, Central Michigan 0. Wisconsin 35, Michigan 14. Wisconsin 38, Michigan State 0. Send us the deed at Upper Peninsula. That's what Wisconsin football is doing. I love them for that. That's awesome. I found this. This week, I don't know why it came up in my my Twitter timeline. The nineteen eighty four NHL draft came up, okay, and it it tends to it tended to come up before more often in October for a reason I'll explain in a moment. But the nineteen eighty four NHL draft, Blackhawk fans might remember, number one overall was Mario Lemieux, number two was Kirk Muller, number three Eddie Olchek. Chicago Blackhawks took him with the number three overall pick in wow. 1984. In the fourth round, the Los Angeles Kings drafted a center. Do you know what his name is? The uh, L.A. Kings? The L.A. Kings drafted a center, a New England child, a New England hockey star playing center. And his name would come up in October. You heard his name a lot in October. Tom Glavin. Oh, wow. Tom Glavin was drafted in 1984 in the fourth round wow. by the Los Angeles Kings. That's awesome. In the sixth round, by the way, so Tom Glavin was drafted before a Hall of Famer named Brett Hull, who was taken in the sixth round by Calgary. That's awesome. And a Hall of Famer named Luke Robitaille, who was taken in the ninth round but also by the Kings. See, I knew, I, I was thinking Robitaille, but then you said New England, and I got lost with, on, the, on the Glavin question. Look, Robitaille, and Calgary took Gary Suter also in the ninth round, former Blackhawk as well. But I love that Tom Glavin was drafted as a center uh-huh. in the fourth round. <laughs> I had a Brett Hall and Look Robitaille. Wow. Yes. And this, speaking of the Connor McDavid, you've seen him. The Blackhawks did a number on him. Uh-huh. Just an unbelievable player. Became the sixth player in Edmonton Oilers franchise history to record 17 or more points 
through the team's first seven games of a season. I mean, it's stunning. That's 17 or more points when the, when the Hawks really sat on him in, the, in a game the Hawks actually played well and didn't look like complete crap like they did last night. The other five players in Oilers history who did it are all named Wayne Gretzky. <laughs> <laughs> it's just the whole, all those numbers, all those Wayne Gretzky numbers are just unbelievable. Mm. So he did that. So I'm going to share that with you. I, I wanted to share this with you, that when you have a long time to wait for the World Series. We talked about that, yes, as the Nationals started, suddenly are rooting, are rooting darlings. Yeah. Huh? Well, I don't think we talked about it on the air, did we? I know. I can't remember. No. Because somehow in the last two and a half hours we did. I, I know we didn't talk about this, this part of it, which I always think about. Because I, I always think about the story my dad told me about the 1946 Red Sox who clinched the there, pennant. What is Herb? We'll throw another log on the fire and have yeah. Herb tell us a story. It, the Red Sox clinched the pennant on September 13th with 11 games left. And the manager, Joe Cronin, was worried that they were going to get stale before sure. the World They'll Series. relax. And then on September 29th, he realized that the Dodgers and the St. Louis Cardinals were still tied atop the standings. They had a game remaining. They were probably looking at a two out of three. And it was going to be even more time. Mm-hmm. And he, he was worried. So he put together a team of all-stars from the American League and the Red Sox, world, the American League champion Red Sox, played against a team that included Hank Greenberg, Joe DiMaggio, Luke Appling, Hal Newhauser, Dizzy Trout. After, oh. after the regular season. Yes. While the Cardinals and Dodgers were settling. Yes. Really? Yeah. And these, these guys, after a long season, went along with it? They went along with it. Um, some of them, uh, there was enough of a financial incentive that a bunch of players volunteered. Some of them were going off with Bob Feller on a barnstorming tour, but the ones that didn't volunteered for this thing so they could make a little extra money and play some baseball at the end of the year. So Back the, when money meant something. So the Red Sox played against this team of all-stars. To try to, and the managers tried yeah. to keep them sharp. Yeah. Oh, my God. And they lost some of the games, <laughs> which probably didn't feel very good. And they would lose games after that, by the way. Also, during that, during that, uh, um, the 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 thing against the All Stars, Ted Williams got hit in the hand with a pitch. Ooh, maybe we don't want to do that. Then he went four for twenty with all singles in the World Series. That was the Joe Garagiola World Series, wasn't it? Wasn't forty six the Cardinals winning? Garagiola was the catcher, and that's when he kind of became the the. All of a sudden, he became Joe. Funny guy. You know, it's interesting. I, I don't. I don't. I think of it as the Enos Slaughter scores from first when Johnny Pesky held the ball, but it was ball. really Leon Culberson's fault because he was only out there because Don was DiMaggio it? was hurt. Yeah, yeah I think it's of a it whole the thing. Same way. It's a whole thing. Herb, but Herb, but anyway, I would stories. recommend that the Nationals do not play against a no. team of all stars and expose their guys to possibly getting hit by actual big league pitches. Well, there was a the the. Let me see. I get the stat right. I read AP ran it earlier. Because yeah. they were talking about how much time the Nationals will have off before the World Series starts mm-hmm. on Tuesday. And I think it's the team with most rest the nine, last nine World Series has lost. The team that had most time off. The most time off. It hasn't off. necessarily been a week or six days, but the team with the most time off, I think it has been um, the, okay, a year ago the Dodgers, the World Series, a year ago the Do- Doge, Brian Dozier went to the World Series with the Dodgers who faced the Red Sox that had more than two more days off yep. 
and Boston wound up winning. I got it here. But previous to that, the mm-hmm. nine champs were the teams that had less time on. Amazing. Did yeah. you go to school with a guy named Less Time Off? Uh, no, but he also does overnights. But he, yeah, he this... never showed up at school. That's why. <laughs> um, the Nationals have a plan. They're having additional workouts on Saturday, today, and tomorrow including an intra-squad scrimmage and live batting practice. And then they're going to the home of the AL champion on Monday. Now, good luck trying to fake it. You can't. You can't. There's nothing. No. I mean, if you just, you know the way, you, you only got a part of it yesterday when you, we played the James Paxton sound. I, I was in Yankee Stadium for a postseason game. They played, a game, played the A's. That stadium makes a sound. There's a the big sound of October. It, it needs, it resounds. It's yeah. really Really, something else. You can't fake that. You're not going to fake. I'm in this. No, no, that en- that energy. Absolutely not. So, one last note from Fox Sports: <clears throat> After five plus seasons, the Browns' very good mascot Swagger, a 145 pound bull mastiff, has oh, made God. his final run onto the field in Cleveland. Oh no! What happened to Swagger? His son SJ will be taking over his duties next month. Um. Mascot patronage is such an underreported part of corruption. I just wanted to share that. Oh. I guess he's just, after five years, that's it. He's had enough. Yeah, he's it. By the way, speaking of um, mascots yeah. and pregame shenanigans. We love this. you got to find the video. You have to find the video for the schooner. The, the Oklahoma <laughs> boomer schooner. Yeah, the carriage that they have the being carried by the, um, or being led by the horses. And they ask the horses to make this tight turn and. You know, today abuse them in in front of college football fans. The horses made their turn, and the schooner completely fell over. Just threw the whole wagon off. Threw everybody, threw the wagon off, threw the people off, and then ran off as if it were a fantasy movie. And the horses had wings, and they were really unicorns because they made everyone's dreams come true. They embarrassed Oklahoma on Oklahoma's home field. I thought, and if you run the video long enough, you see one of the horses turn around and say, "That does you deserve that, suckers." (laughs) Guess I didn't let it run. Complete with the stutter. The segment is brought to you by your Chicagoland Papa John's. Papa John's is giving you a free pizza this weekend. Buy one pizza at regular price and get a second pizza of equal or less value for free. Use promo code FREEPIZZADAY on the Papa John's app or online at papajohns.com. That's promo code FREEPIZZADAY. Yes, 847-TEXTER. A person named Less Time Off would be at school more. Sometimes you say stuff and you just find out... (laughs) If people are listening or not, because you never really know. Oh, yeah. He's Spiegel. I'm Rosenblum. It's Saturday Suckage. We'll do transition with Julie and Maggie after this. Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Do we have to stop talking about food? Because I think this has been a rousing discussion. Uh-oh. Turn on your mind. Welcome in. Welcome back. Saturday Suckage. Steve Rosenblum, Matt Spiegel. We're joined by Julie DeCaro and Maggie Hendricks. They will officially start their show at 2. This is their pregame show. Hi. Hello. Hello there, sir. Hello. So we're discussing open house and we're discussing rooftops and food trucks and far more interesting than discussing the Cubs, a team without a manager. Yeah. And Blackhawks can't seem to check anybody. And uh, the the Bulls haven't done Enough of the bad stuff that we fear. Although, what was it? What was the troubling? I have a troubling amount of uh, positivity. Right, which we think is a bandit Lala, but that's actually his therapeutic. Well, troubling state. level, excuse me, troubling level of positivity troubling about the Bulls. Yeah, I feel like that's that's fair because I am confident that this team, if they stay healthy, 
can make the playoffs. And to me, that is too much positivity when we're talking about the Bulls. Well, that, well the thing is, I guess what's troubling about it to me is because I know the big picture and we've talked about the big picture for years. We're thrilled at the lane shift. Um, when they go to a rebuild because they weren't going to be good enough and they were happily accepting the lower end of the playoffs. And now here we are with the high end possibly being the low end of the playoffs. Right. And you're not, and you're not good enough to win it. So, but here's the thing. There is... Um, there is a very simple sports joy about watching good players, a couple of young good players, figure things out and get better. So that, and we should not deny ourselves that joy. And it's the basic Kobe premise. White, seeing Kobe White turn from, hey, this guy looks fun to, hey, this guy turned in 29 points in a preseason game. Yeah. All right, if I'll take it. Top 10 uh, among scorers in preseason, both him and Zach Levine, top 10. Oh man, we'll we see like what happens it. We once the season gets going. Take that right. to the bank. And, but what what figures to happen if if Kobe Bryant, if Kobe Bryant? Well, if he becomes Kobe Bryant, I hope he does not. If he becomes that guy, he might be Kobe Bryant on that second team though. The second unit would be looking for offense. David Schuster was describing it earlier. David Schuster, your host of Bulls pregame and postgame here on the Score, and saying that that it's a largely defensive minded unit, mm-hmm. which leaves a lot of basketball. For Kobe White. And that's what he is. He's right. a gunner. He's a gunner. Dude's and a scorer. They need that. Just go. Which actually could be a really good form of development, either by design or default, but just so it happens. That's, well, that's the thing. I think it's a really good bit of development because he can be around a lot of guys who really like to play defense and are good at it. And maybe he'll learn some of that by osmosis. Like, there's a bunch of things that <laughs> philosophically make sense about yeah. this Bulls team Well, right I mean, now. here's the thing. The big picture is supposed to be this team is good enough to attract a big-time free agent mm-hmm. who will be the all-star. This is a league of all-stars. Mm-hmm. You've got to have a big-time all-star on your team if you want to win. Unless anybody thinks Zach Levine is going to turn into that guy, which no. I have my doubts about. Even if um, he does. Even, I mean, this team couldn't get a free agent when they had Der- Derek Rose and Jimmy Butler. This like reliance on, oh, they're going to be so good, people are going to want to come play here. I feel like the the way the league looks at the Bulls and their reputation sort of precedes them, and it, it just sort of seems like a fool's errand to me. Well, if there's an obvious opening, if there's an obvious thing where you look at the team and like, all right, you know, they try really hard, they bust their hump, and they're decent, and the coach is actually not a complete, you know, bonehead, and you can actually... <laughs> Believe in it, then, you know, obviously, yes, the dream is to attract the free agent, but you also might have to make a trade for a guy who's got a year left, like like Kawhi Leonard to Toronto. You know, I use that as the comp that you might have to be the team that accepts I'm never going to draw somebody. I will take these pieces I've developed and go out and get a superstar, try to woo him for a year. I just, I just worry about Michael Reinsdorf and about Garpax being able to pull the trigger on that. I mean, Garp. I just don't see them having the pull around the league that they think they have around the league. And it just is a little troubling. But That's for sure. And there goes all our positivity. No one ever says anything bad about the Bulls to John Paxson. Yeah. Yes. I mean, you never hear self-awareness yeah. has never been a strong suit around there because now they're drafting guys who weren't alive. So they're drafting a bunch of people who have never seen Michael Jordan play live, weren't, weren't around then. And they're running out of people to trade, which is – for to trade for guys who played, who were alive, who remember seeing Michael Jordan play live, and that was the cachet of the Bulls organization. Because since then, it's been a mess, and it's not been positive PR about them. They're the team that LeBron stiffed a couple times. Dwayne right. Wade well, played, I mean, 
finally showed up as a as a corpse. As and a, who, who with broken we knees. Get, we were promised Tim Duncan, Tracy McGrady, mm. Carmelo Anthony, LeBron James. I mean, come on. Right. So but you can have is, Carmelo Anthony the, now. Yeah, yeah well, I can imagine. Well, we did for like five minutes. Oh, right. That's got a Kenny Williams, Roberto Alomar stink to <laughs> right. it now, though. Oh, dear God. Again? I do want to say one, one nice other nice thing about Kobe White. That guy is a student of the game who constantly wants to learn more about basketball. He was at six or seven Sky Games this summer sitting courtside. He just he just loves he loves basketball and wants to like suck every bit of basketball in. I just, I'm really impressed with him and I I am excited about him and I'll be really excited whenever he finds his real team. Oh, yeah. Well, we'll find out where that suck part, (laughs) how that resounds. So do you fear Mitch Trubisky coming back tomorrow and this Bears team coming back tomorrow? I don't fear him as much as I fear having to watch Chase Daniel try to play behind that line again. Yeah. That was worse. I think I'm more concerned about the line than anything. harness is a better idea than Chase Daniel? (laughs) I mean, look. I mean, there's certain harnesses. If that line doesn't get any push up front, they all fall back on Chase, and Chase cannot see over the top Mm. of the line. I think the saddest, maybe most telling part of it is that Mitch comes back and the interest level in the game stays level. The uh, Mitch Mitch comes back and your 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 pick on who might actually win the game stays really level. Change. Doesn't really change. That's I didn't troubling. see what happened to the line, but I don't know if the line changed all I, I, that I, much I, around. I it. think there was a couple points. Yeah. yeah. So really? I think, I think it did bit. change, but that doesn't feel right, does it? No. Like I personally don't think it has much of an effect on whether they're going to win or not. No. And that's pretty is, brutal. Is Mitch wearing the same harness that Anthony Miller cut off? Because it wasn't letting it him was, have a full range of motion. Yeah, because it was available. Idea. It was there. It's a month. <laughs> oh, that's true. So they do had you want it. To share? Uh, Matt sent out a tweet today asking, sort of a web poll kind of tweet without it being in the form of a web poll because there's too many spots than your normal web poll would allow. So why don't you share with yeah, um, Julie and Maggie? They've lost um, uh, five games after a bye in a row. So uh, which is Ooh. your favorite? Last year's 31-28 collapse in Miami. Ooh. Two years ago when Brett Hundley led the Packers to a 23-16 win here. Or go back to 2014 where Mark Tressman's bunch bracketed a bye with 51 points given up to the Pats. Then 55 points given up to Green Bay. I'm going to say Miami because it involved Brock Osweiler, who retired (laughs) with generational wealth after being a a very, very below average NFL quarterback. Not against the Bears. He was Hall of Fame. I know, exactly. That was my favorite. I think I'm going to go with the uh, Tressman era. Yeah. Just because everything about the Tressman era was so spectacularly terrible uh-huh. that I just, you know, this just fits right in there. And I have th- special memories of it. Yes. And and that low point of like, wow, got a, got embarrassed on national TV. They were both national TV. Twice. Got embarrassed on national TV. Then we have a bye. Let's regroup. And then let's get embarrassed again on and national you TV. Know, I don't need to go look it up. You know, Mark Tressman said afterwards. But we had great practices. Great week of practice. Great we week of known practice. That wasn't going to work out when we saw that guy's hair right off the bat. I mean, as soon as he took his hat off, it was over. It was awful. I that and he game, no... the Packers game. I had written hastily and posted on the on the Tribune website that Mark Tressman could not come out for the second half kickoff. He needed to be fired at halftime. <laughs> at halftime. He was not allowed to coach. And I found out later there were discussions at halftime about him being fired oh. after that oh. game. They were going to wait after that game. They weren't going to do it. I mm. wanted him to do it on the field. Yeah. 
have him when he comes out. George come out at halftime and, and, and be like, you George know what, man? Tech, no, not so fast. Somebody takes his credential. Yeah. Take his I playbook. wanted him fired at halftime, and I wrote it, and we got it posted before the end of the third quarter. <laughs> but there were discussions of firing uh-huh. him after that game. Imagine. So I think that's the best. I think that's the one. Imagine, if you will, um, you're a long snapper for, what, 16 years for the Chicago Bears, and you retire, and you decide to try and give radio a shot, and your first three months on the job are covering a Mark Trestman (laughs) Bears team. I don't know why you didn't want to do it longer, Patrick. I don't get it. You know, it's uh, it's, uh, January. I'm I'm done. I think I'm good. (laughs) That was my first Bears season in radio, and there was always so much to talk about. I was spoiled for every other season. Well, you'll have much to talk about. For whatever goes on today, Julie and Maggie will be following us. We, uh, me and Spiegel, will get out of here. It's uh, Shabbat Sports Talk, taking you up to the Shixes. At uh, we want to thank David Schuster for joining us. Jay Hilgenberg talking Bears. He'll be in the WBBM morning or pregame show tomorrow. Mark Grody, he'll be on everybody's radio. Matt Spiegel, thank you. We want to thank Zach Withers and Chef for producing this epic. Chicago Sports Radio Saturday Suckage on the score. It wouldn't have been possible if we weren't here to be told how much we suck. So kudos to you guys for sucking as bad as we do. Oh, yes. Wait a minute, Mr. Post. Wait, wait. Oh, yeah. That's it. Why? Why? If you have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. 